Don't have sex don't in that it. place. Please don't do that. Hello, Michelle. Geordie, Geordie. Hello. It's so nice to be sitting where I can reach out and touch you. Next to you. <laughs> and that's not the words, is it? Close to you. It's all the songs. It's always all the songs. And that's what you're here for here at Eavesdropping, <laughs> the eavesdroppers indeed. They're yes. here for it, right, Michelle? They had a bunch of songs last week, let me tell you. Dulcet tones. Dulcet tones. I've had a voice message. No. Yes. Who from? From Shari. She uh, she left me a voice message, us, a voice message on our social media, which is Instagram, the Instagram page, which is eavesdropping underscore. Yes. If you're looking for us. Lots of great vids there. So she sent me, a us, sorry, a voice message and I tried to take it off so we could play it because she was talking about the Hazy Fantasy song. She loved that other things as well it was a great voice note did she sing did she sing shiny shiny no, she didn't but i then accidentally facetimed her at god oh, knows what time no. yes and didn't mean to so apologies shari i did apologize at the time so you see when you're a fan of the podcast we even call you sometimes at inappropriate times of the day and night maybe it was mid-morning or you know 3 a.m in australia when i did that so if that was the case then i'm really sorry shari but thank you for the voice note we love it i'm sure she thought it was a bum dial she probably did yeah so also talking about voice notes, obviously we had Yannicka speaking last week, slightly menacingly in a sweet way about her nickname. Yes. Another fact that I forgot to mention was that she loves to prepare quizzes. And oh. actually that's what we did a lot of in lockdown because we we're all in different parts of yes. the world. Yes, I remember that. Yes, yes, I did join on a couple. She likes the Daily Wordle as well and the connections. She likes doing that, that we just did over breakfast. Michelle and I just did some quizzing this morning. Maybe Quiz Queen? That's a bit boring, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But we can riff something off that, like maybe the quizzical quat owner or something. <laughs> I don't know, things that start with Q. I don't know. She can just be Yazzie Yannicka. Yazzie? I was going to say Jazzy because her name does start with a J. But That's true. It, you can't say Jazzy Yannicka. No. Jazzy Yannicka. It would have to be... Yazzy Yannicka. Yazzy Yannicka. Let's just I don't find know if a new Jazzy's one. a good word. Who wants to be called Jazzy? I don't know. Nobody. Would I prefer to Keep be called? Working. Yeah. Would I prefer to be called Yazzy Yannicka or, or Pussy Petter? <laughs> Not lube. <laughs> Sorry, Yannicka. So those of you who haven't got a clue what's going on right now because you've just tuned in, you're listening to the podcast Eavesdropping. It's real life, it's true crime, and it's supernatural. And I'm Geordie. And I'm Michelle. We're friends. We are friends. And you're our friend too now. Yes, you are our friend. Because you're an eavesdropper. And well done to you. Thank you for that. Indeed. And we do appreciate it. We love when you write in. We love the voice notes. We've even received some photos. We did. Thank you for the photos. Yes. And we love it all. We love when you get in touch. We love when you sign up to the Patreon. You can find all of our links on social media. Yes, that's right, Michelle. Social media. When people are all around the world, we're all so connected these days, aren't 
we? We are indeed. Honestly, that's how we get our stories is because we are all connected on World the wide web. wild, wide web. World wide web. We don't really get out there and do investigations. We just sit in a darkened room, tip-tapping away, looking at the internet going, oh my God. I've got a few OMG moments Have this you? week. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess we better preface the episode then by saying that it's a real life episode. Is it right? is. It's real life. And it's real scary. Real scary. I am actually going to tell Mm. everybody today about, well, we were thinking about health scares. You know, we had a big one recently, didn't we? The old COVID. I'm going to talk about something that's slightly dark because I'm asking you all to recall a time, those of you who are old enough, to remember when eating a burger could kill you. Do you remember those days, Michelle? Disturbingly, a quick poll of my 30-something-year-old work colleagues revealed that they didn't really know anything about mad cow disease, BSC or VCJD, all of which I'm going to talk about and explain to you today. So I'm going to lay it out for Callum and his Gen Z pals (laughs) right now. Did they think you were making that name up? Because mad cow... Sounds like you're just... You're just a mad cow. You're a mad cow. Mm. And, you know, we actually had somebody... What a mad cow. What a mad cow. What a mad bitch disease. They're probably thinking that... (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, she's just being horrible. Why is she calling me a mad bitch? Mad cow. But we had a girl come into the restaurant. She had an allergy to mammalian meat. And it's called alpha-gal syndrome. Really? And I was like, that's made up. It's not. It's a real thing. Alpha gal. I was like, Alpha gal is the hot girl at school who yeah. was also a bitch. Who was a mad cow. And then this mad cow came in and said, I can't eat any mammalian meat. Did she make yes. sure she told you this beforehand? Yes, she did. Thank, Thank God. God. I just thought it was made up. Well, no, you get it from tick bites. <gasps> yeah, really? Really fucking scary. That's interesting. And it may be mm. some bearing on the story I'm about to tell you, Michelle. No. So hold that thought. I don't know. Okay. People think they know about mad cow's disease. Or they've just forgotten about it. Those who actually know what it is, because like I said, the 30-year-olds in the office didn't have a clue. They vaguely remember something about it, but it's gone now. (laughs) But is it? (laughs) When I first arrived in London in the spring of 1990, it was big news, mad cow disease, and the fears that the cattle disease BSE, which stands for... B-S-E, I said that, didn't I? Yeah. Which stands for bovine spongiform encephalitis. Oh, that's right. Could infect humans. Yeah. At that point, it hadn't, they say. I just remember that spongy form. I just kept thinking of a spongy brain. Well, that's exactly what it is. That's why it's called that. So this information I got from the Express and also a podcast that I listened to on Radio 4, which I'll tell you a bit more about later. It's called The Cows Are Mad. Really bloody interesting. But unfortunately, I can't fit all of that information in this episode. And you'll be thankful if you want to hear it. You know where to go. Michelle will link it up. I'll link the shit out of that. So I'm going to give you a bit of backstory about the BSE crisis. It began with the death of a cow at a farm in West Sussex in 1984. This cow had been behaving strangely, rearing up, wobbling on its feet, not being able to get up when it was down frightened that it just seemed really Mm. frightened a vet was called to the farm he ran some tests to see if it was parasites or poisoning but the earliest confirmed case was then by a post-mortem examination of a cow from the same farm but much later well so it wasn't until a year later they started to see the spongy holes forming in the brain and they made the link to bse But this wasn't confirmed BSE until June 1987. That's two years after that. Fuck. I mean, this cattle farmer 
Yeah. They obviously in those two years were supplying everyone with meat willy-nilly. I don't know. I think they may have shut him down or or maybe asked him to kill those infected cattle. This is in Kent and you'll find out more about that in a minute because I just Mm. need to kind of like cover some ground first. It's quite intricate, this whole story. They traced it back, the origin of the BSE in that particular herd and surrounding farms was now coming down with the same thing. So it was becoming a bit of an epicentre in Kent. Um, They traced it back to uh, crushed bone meal, which is imported from overseas and sold as fertilizer and to create animal feed. Bone meal is basically crushed up bones. Yeah, it's like the leftovers from the beef and leather trade, and then they just get even the meat's not quite taken off it. What? So hang on, they were they were feeding bones back to the cows. Yeah, like cannibalism. Exactly. Basically, making the cows cannibals. That can't be good, right? No, eating your friend. It's like me having a nibble of your arm or something. <laughs> and then I give you a brain disease. Oh. So there. Thanks. That's that's what you get when you eat me. Don't do it, <laughs> Michelle. The Minister for Agriculture, as it was known then, it's now known as DEFRA, his name was John Gummer. And this is kind of the main thing that I remember from the early 90s when I first moved to this country, the United Kingdom. So his name was John Gummer. He's now known as Lord Devon. He's a peer. But he famously took his daughter on a press photo call where he ate a burger and asked her to do the same thing, but she refused, smart girl, to prove that British beef was safe. And this is presumably to ward off the devastating effect that the crisis would have on the British export industry. Because already, once those headlines hit, you're kind of fucked. Six years later, a link between BSE and a human form of the disease was officially confirmed in the Commons, bringing about an EU ban on British beef which was not fully lifted for a decade. Yeah. So we're getting quite late now. So British beef is just not being eaten or exported. Yeah. Some experts predicted that tens of thousands of people could die. Tens Fuck. of thousands. This could have been... COVID. The COVID. The pandemic. The pandemic that we were all waiting for. There were horrific images of pyres, of burning cattle, as infected herds were slaughtered in a desperate measure to halt the spread of the disease. Do you remember? Yeah, I actually do. As soon as you said the burning piles of cows, that's actually an image that I do remember. Horror. But we also remember seeing that, you know, in Australia growing up when there was foot and mouth or anthrax or horrible things like that. This just does happen sometimes. And I think we recently talked about the food chain, didn't we? Was it mushrooms? Mushrooms. (laughs) But also in Australia, myxomatosis with the rabbits too. Don't keep a pet rabbit in Australia. It will die. It will die. They released rabbits to what? To They brought rabbits to Australia for some reason. I can't remember. And then they bred like rabbits. And then they put that myxomatosis disease there, which basically um, destroyed their eyes. They went blind. and I think it sterilized them. And these poor rabbits must have been in such pain. Don't go there. Awful. Going back to animals not having a great time. In one year alone, almost 37,000 cows were culled. 37,000. Officially, 177 Britons and more than 50 others worldwide have died from variant Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, which is known as VCJD. Okay. The human form of BSE. Right. VCJD. Now, that's important because there is CJD, Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. Yeah. That is not something you can catch. It's often just passed down okay. and older people get that. Right. There's a woman called Christine Lord on the podcast that I listened to, or the documentary, Radio 4 documentary that I listened to. Her name's Christine Lord. Her son was a radio producer. His name's Andrew Black. He was full of life, quick-witted, 
and he was 24 years old when he succumbed to the disease in 2007. It was very much a young person's disease. Why? Because they were eating burgers. The old people weren't eating burgers. No, Michelle. What? That's not why. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, everyone eats a burger. Well, that's the thing. Is it a young person's disease? This one, and then what happened with COVID? It was kind of like an old person's disease. Yeah, but it was everyone, really. It was really everyone, but children just didn't get it. Or they got it, but they had no effect. It had no effect, did it? Yeah. Back to Andrew's sad story. In 1988, when the first rumblings of the infection in beef products started, Andrew was five years old. And Christine banned beef products in the family. Yeah. Completely. Good. She was a former BBC journalist. And while this was going on with Andrew, his diagnosis and subsequent death she made a documentary and a book called who killed my son and she says millions of people were exposed to this deadly disease which has an incubation period hold yourself no no no. of up to 50 years what it is still a ticking health time bomb sorry guys god oh my god so if you ate a burger anywhere between 87 or or had any exposure Sorry. to beef products? No. And I'm going to tell you, vegetarians died. How? Well, this I is the question. I thought I was safe. You're not safe. I thought I was safe in 1990. I was a vegetarian yeah. as well. Officials were aware of the risks in 1990, but took a gamble because they were worried about the impact on farming. And Christine claims that there was a cover-up and branded a year 2000 government inquiry a whitewash. It concluded that BSE spread through contaminated feed containing an abnormal protein called a prion. And these prions are the things that fuck your brain up, basically. Cattle were fed meat and bone mix with traces of infected brains or spinal cords. They're the bits that are the dangerous bits they decided. And the prion ended up in the food chain in processed meat products. Like I said before, turning them into cannibals. So strict controls were introduced in 1996 and this type of feed was banned. And in that documentary by Lisa Proctor, the Kazamad. She interviews Christine and she detailed her son's decline. It was dementia-like symptoms, deep comatose-like sleep. And then I read the website on the NHS, which says of CJD, not VCJD, which I just explained before, two slightly different things. The CJD is the genetically passed on one and usually occurs from the age 60 onwards. The symptoms are loss of intellect and memory, changes in personality, loss of balance and coordination, slurred speech, vision problems and blindness, abnormal jerking movements, progressive loss of brain function and mobility. So most people with CJD will die within a year of the symptoms starting usually from an infection. I feel like that's just me. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Really though, you know, like I forget things, I'm... You know, I knock into a corner of a table. I mean, I don't think I have it. I don't, I don't think want it. it That's but... just decline. That's just cognitive yeah. decline. It's normal. <laughs> but this one I'm going to tell you now is from the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control about VCJD. Okay, it says patients with VCJD, which is the one you can catch from, well, people thought infected meat products, have prominent psychiatric, frequently depression, anxiety and withdrawal or sensory symptoms and delayed onset of neurological abnormalities, including ataxia, which affects movement, speech, and balance. That's ataxia. Okay. Within weeks or months, that's what you get. And then dementia and twitching or jerking later in the illness. Right. The disease always progresses to death. There is no 
cure. So cure. basically, once you've got it, you're fucked. Yeah, unfortunately. And the duration is on average 14 months. Okay. From Shit. diagnosis to death. And I'm sorry. It's really sad, isn't it? It's fucking it's, awful. Yeah. What a comedy podcast. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it tends to affect younger. VCJD compared to CJD, it tends to affect younger individuals with an average age onset of around 28 years compared to the sporadic CJD, which tends to affect middle ages and elderly, like I said before. The definite diagnosis of VCJD requires post-mortem examination of brain tissue. So unfortunately, you don't know you've got it till you've died from it, really. And then they, they do an autopsy and yeah. find it's basically a sponge yeah, where your exactly. brain should be. Unfortunately. At the beginning of the BSC crisis, or the Mad Cow crisis, there was something called the Kent Cluster. I alluded to that before because I was mm. talking about, you know, where all the farms had started. There was a lot of infected cattle that came from around Ashford in Kent which is where the first case was diagnosed in 85. They had four CJD victims living in the area. It's kind of like the epicenter. And there was a meat processing plant there called Thruxted Mill, which this Lisa Proctor talks about in the documentary quite a lot. I'm going to give you some really nasty facts about Thruxted Mill, unfortunately. It's just outside Canterbury and Kent. That's a nice fact. Yes. Not for the people of Canterbury and Kent. The locals were traumatized by the smell of this place. Mm. It's now abandoned. It's closed down. This was one of five UK sites which had the job of disposing the remains of BSC-infected cattle. Before that, it was a meat processing plant. Fucking hell. So it was already disgusting. Awful. And soil contamination is still present years later. It was closed in 2008. Reports from when it was active said piles of carcasses were regularly dumped in the yard area and a constant stench permeated the countryside. Do you know what? But this is like a different kind of Chernobyl. Exactly. It's like Chernobyl. Absolutely. The surrounding roads would often be littered with chunks of dead cattle. The residents would sometimes get glimpses of the shocking sight of legs and heads sticking out of skips. And in 2008, the year it shut... A lorry was lost on its way to the mill and it spilt tongue remains and lumps of bladder the size of a football in a residential street. Pigeons have taken up resident in this derelict place now and there are still bones there, decades old, lying on the floor. That just makes me think of 28 Days Later. Really? It's like Armageddon. Can you imagine like kids who don't know the story who are just like, oh yeah, let's go down to the old place yeah, let's that's do abandoned. A and video. You know, well, or they're what? just doing what kids do. They're like smoking bongs and having sex on dirty mattresses and oh, stuff. Oh, God. No, but they're doing that in this horrible Next place. Next to a bone. Yes, like a diseased oh, bone. Why We're, don't have sex don't in do that it. place. Please don't do that. So when I just said 28 days later, that started with a monkey they were experimenting on and then it went nuts and it bit someone and then there was a zombie apocalypse, right? That is basically a zoonotic disease, something that is a disease that is transmitted from animals to humans. Okay. And they said at the beginning of COVID that it was zoonotic. It said it was from bats, right? Yes. Or they said from chickens initially. Did they? Chickens in China or something? Chickens? Did I make that up? <laughs> chickens in China. <laughs> chickens in China, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe I made that up. Well, guess what? In, in America right now, there is a lot of chat about zombie deer. Did you know that? No. There are YouTube clips that I do not recommend you look at. I didn't. Okay, they're just too disturbing. Well, I reckon they would be. I don't think I'd sleep at night if I saw YouTube video clips of deer behaving aggressively. These people are sitting in their car and they are 
behaving strangely or aggressively. They're circling the car. They're walking in circles. They're confused. They're doing extraordinary backflips before charging at the car. Oh, my God. Because I was in Sweden recently and there were all these lovely little baby deers bouncing around, honestly, with the little white bums. Oh, Proper Bambi style. And they're adorable. I can't imagine. That would be awful if it suddenly turned on you. Yeah, it went psycho. Don't trust them. What they've got is a chronic wasting disease that emerged oh. in the late 60s. And it has infected 60% of deer, 60% in the US, plus some in Europe. And it's more infectious than BSE because it's transmitted by saliva and droppings. Oh. Yeah. So 4% of Americans hunt and eat deer. So people are worried about it jumping species. Of course. Maybe we should just all become vegetarians. I don't know. But during the BSE crisis in the UK, cats also started to get it. Yeah. And ministers were visiting pet food plants to make sure that they didn't have the tissue that was banned, like the backbone and the brain. But it wasn't. Those bits were being really carefully removed from the cat food, but other products were still present. Those products were still present in human food for a long time. They didn't check it properly, Michelle. They didn't do their job properly enough. By 1997, 161,000 BSE cases had been diagnosed. Fucking hell. An estimated 1 million BSE infected cows had entered the food chain since 1985. Since 1989, the most infectious parts of the cattle, such as the brain and the spinal cord, have been banned from human consumption. Mm. So it's not always eyeballs and assholes. (laughs) One former minister told Lisa Proctor on this Radio 4 documentary, economics and health are important to human life equally. What? See the COVID response. He didn't say that. I said that. But yeah, he said economics and health are equally important to human life. It's like a Sophie's Choice moment. Tell that to Sweden, who didn't make that choice during COVID. And their economy was absolutely fucking fantastic. Mm -hmm. And they had the same, if not less, proportionately of people who got COVID and died. Right. And they didn't lock down. Amazing. But I guess this is fear, isn't it? The fear factor. Yeah. But they weren't scared enough to do that here, really. The first reported death of VCJD was a man called Stephen Churchill, who was actually only 19 in May 1995. Okay. The last reported death so far was in 2016, and it's a total of 178 confirmed deaths due to VCJD. Right. At the time of Andrew Black's diagnosis, remember his mother, Christine Lord, did the documentary, Who Killed My Son? After discounting a brain tumour, which could have been treated, a doctor told Christine Lord, his mother, a stray burger didn't cause this. What are they not telling us? This got her thinking, is the link between BSE and VCJD and bone meal really the culprit? What did the government know and what aren't they telling us? The link was never actually proven. And how do you explain that vegetarians also succumbed to VCJD? One victim had been a vegetarian since 1985. And if it was burgers, Michelle, how did so few die? Exactly. And if it's not beef, then what is it? I hope you've got some freaking answers here. Not really. Oh, not really. But I do think it's a question that people should be asking. Had the epidemic really spread through the cannibal cow feed? Or as some people think, is it pesticides? There's something called the warble fly, and 
Immature warble flies or cattle grubs infest and harm livestock throughout the world. They burrow into the skin of the cow and they ruin the hide for leather. And although they have been eradicated from the UK since 1990, the problem prompted the use of systemic insecticide which was poured along the cow's backs. And in 1984, there was an organic farmer called Mark Purdy who refused to use the government-backed insecticide, warning that it could cause a serious neurological condition in the cows. This guy also wrote a book called Animal Farm, P-H-A-R-M. Sorry, that was a guinea pig just running. (laughs) (laughs) We're in the guinea pig room. He's worried because he thinks we're going to start testing on him. Exactly. He doesn't want to be eaten. Yeah, so he wrote the book Animal Farm. He sadly died from a brain tumour, though, before it was finished. Cruel irony. Also, his brother, who took over the writing of the book his name i can't remember what his name is both of them grew up on farms and mark became anti-pesticide when he once saw a bird fall out of the sky in a cloud of crop spray and he was convinced that organophosphates were responsible for ill health among the human population this is from the national institute of health organophosphates are used as medications insecticides and nerve agents as a weapon symptoms include increased saliva and tear production diarrhea Nausea, vomiting, small pupils, sweating, muscle tremors, and confusion. The onset of symptoms is often within minutes, and it can take weeks to disappear. So Mark Purdy, the author of the book Animal Farm, he taught himself chemistry to get to grips with the effects of these chemicals he wanted to know. He submitted the findings to the BSE inquiry in 2000, year 2000, and he asked... How did cows who never ate the infected bone meal get BSE and how did vegetarians get VCJD? And this inquiry said that Mark's information just didn't line up with the broader evidence and more research was needed. Convenient. But then he got sick with his brain tumour that killed him and his brother Nigel, that was his name, he now has Parkinson's. So both of these lads that grew up on farms have both ended up with neurological issues. Uh, Nigel... He says he uses it as a research opportunity. Okay. And he does wonder if the pesticides caused his Parkinson's and even some cancers. And when you think about our food chain and medicines and vaccines, do we ever really know what's in them? No. Biologicals are things that are in them. I can tell you that. Biologicals are things made of once living things. And WHO says... Biologicals are a diverse group of medicines which include vaccines, growth factors, immune modulators, monoclonal antibodies, as well as products derived from human blood and plasma. Oh. <laughs> there are no regulations on them. What? And if not, and officials are horrified that pituitary glands were being used as growth hormones by vets and also used for children. Little short kids got growth hormones. Do you remember that? Yeah. Did you ever get that? No. Thank God for that. They were from the pituitary glands of human corpses, Michelle. Oh, my God. Why? Oh and then there's God. cow and blood serum, which are used in vaccines, bovine products. This is so shocking. Isn't it? But I have to say, this guy, Mark Purdy, it almost seems too obvious. And why was it only one person making there's this? There's a few. But they're like the anti-vaxxers. They're kind of not really taken seriously. Yeah, but it just seems to be so obvious that we were told it could have been propaganda. We were told it was infected bone meal and only with infected meat. But as you say, vegetarians got sick. Mm. A lot of people got sick. Is it a cover-up? It just makes sense that it's from 
the soil from yeah like airborne airborne stuff because you yeah. think about DDT and everything that was happening in Agent Orange. Yes, it's awful. Yeah. It, it just seems to be, like I said, obvious. Yeah. But it's not because people are trying to discount him. Well, it's claimed that one in 2,000 people carry the human form of BSE. And the great unknown is how many will go on to develop the disease VCJD. But for now, the Department of Health says the risk is negligible. And at the time of writing this story, there was a BBC headline, Irish beef exports to China suspended after BSE case. No! Yeah. And it said the case was confirmed after tests were carried out on a dead 10-year-old cow that had been delivered for destruction. The Chinese market had resumed Irish beef exports in January 23, following a previous case of BSE in 2020. The BSE case, commonly known as mad cow disease, is atypical, meaning it can occur naturally as opposed to traditionally BSE caused by contaminated feed. So much like the CJD and VCJD, you can get BSE like it's something that can just be atypical in a cow. But I mean, I'm a bit confused by all that. Yeah, Sorry, me I've just too. Le- I've left on a confused note there. <laughs> but can you, if you've got it, can you pass it on genetically? Even if it has it been can, dormant? I know that CJD can be passed genetically. But not V. Well, I mean, you're dead. So it's rather depressing, and I'm apologising to you right now, listeners, but I just thought it was really important. And that documentary was fascinating. Yeah, that's the kind of shit I like. I'm going to have to link that up and watch it myself. How real is real life? Not as real as you. Go and get real. Just think about all the party pies that we would have eaten. I mean, we were just having a little chat about party food. We were. And party pies, um, four and 20 mince pies, because that's what they're called in Australia. A yeah. meat pie is a mince pie. That was the traditional eyeballs and asshole. Lips and assholes. Yeah, yeah. Lips. Yep. <laughs> Lips and assholes. A sausage roll at the canteen, talk shop. Yeah. Would you peel back the, when you had a pie from oh. the... Tuck shop. Did you peel back the lid and then put your sauce in the middle and then put the lid back on? No, I squirted it on the top of the pastry. Oh. This is when I was a kid. I mean, yeah. I, I haven't eaten a meat pie. and It's not the most uh, sophisticated of meals, is it? No, no, it's not. Meat products. Meat. I mean, we grew up on it. Mints. Yes. Mints kept our family going. A Jen, lot of mints. Jen got creative with mints. What did she make? Like patterns out of Rissoles. The... Rissoles. Rissoles. With a smiley face with sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all basically the same thing. A meatloaf. Yeah, I've never had that. If we had eggs in the house, she'd pop a boiled egg in. <laughs> then you put the meatloaf around it. Spaghetti bolognese. Right, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what else would she... She made all sorts of things with mints. Yeah. And then she discovered the packet sauces and like, you know, those MSG bags oh, of yes. flavorings. I, and yeah. so then we would have tacos and the whole, wow. and the whole world, tacos. Jim was out there with her food choices back rundang. in the 80s. Rundang. rundang. You had rundang. That's yeah, amazing. Mom, mom loves a rundang to this day. And I love a rundang now, but I don't think my parents even know what that is. Yeah, Lucky you. Well, yes, and Dad was the Italian, so, you know, we had a bit of a, a mix. It took Jen a while. She was into her chops for quite a, quite a long time. The little medallion yes. of meat yeah. in, around the, the chop. 
Sorry, the Jen, they used to be a bit dry. <laughs> she probably will admit that. My chops weren't dry. How dare you? It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. But I've got more more shit that's going to scare you because This is the health, health anxiety episode. <laughs> so those of you with anxiety, I apologise. Yeah, me too, because I'm going to tell you some horrible stories. And these ones just happened relatively recently. You know, I did think, oh, I'm going to dive into a few weird, maybe not so wonderful stories about diseases and things that can kill you. When I was talking to the chefs at the restaurant about the podcast and also your mushroom lady. Yes. um, She's not my mushroom lady. She is. She's your mushroom lady. The update you did last week. And also we did talk a little bit about the fact when you go to a restaurant, you really put your trust in the chefs to cook food for you that is sure. healthy we did say and safe that. Yeah, yes we did the mushroom update well chef tomaso uh who's one of our chefs he told me about this woman who just last week november 1 2023 yeah. was killed by pizza what kind of he's hot by the way tomaso he's a very good looking he's chef. a good looking boy yeah. i will admit open I'm- kitchens if you ever go to michelle's restaurant <laughs> You can gaze upon his beauty. Blue-eyed Italian chef. So he was talking about this case and it happened in Italy in Ariano Irpino in Benevento. And I was in Benevento recently for the most insane wedding I've ever been to in my life. Was it a family wedding? Yes. Why was it insane? There were fireworks. There were fire breathers. Oh. There were sketch artists. Oh, okay. Did you get a sketch done of yourself? I didn't line up for that. (laughs) No, thank you. I imagine you'd have hated it. I don't need them to accentuate the bad points. (laughs) And that's what they do. They always always pick the worst part of yourself. Get your face done. Why do you go to the Eiffel Tower and then get someone to sketch you as an ugly bastard? Thank you. I'll pay you £20 for that, €20. I mean, Andreas has one and they've given him like Bugs Bunny on his shoulder and then Bugs Bunny teeth. Why? I don't know. It was just a bit weird. But anyway, this wedding, there were... There was so much food, I can't even tell you. They had... Was there a sweetie buffet? Five of them. Oh! This wedding was insane. Back to Killed by Pizza. Oh, yeah. Okay, I forgot about that for a moment. Got excited about party food again. (laughs) A woman called Gerardina Corsano, and she was only 46, and her husband, Angelo Menino, they went out for a pizza night, ordered all their favorite toppings, then lavished on the chili oil yeah, and the I chili sauce. Chili oil. I would do that. I would do that. They enjoyed their pizza, went home. They munched. They chomped their pizza down. Okay. <laughs> Is that better? And paid went their home, bill. Paid their bill. Probably tipped the waitress. Who knows? All seemed fine. But the morning after, they both felt really fucking rough. Uh And then poor Gerardina started spasming. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Immediately rushed to hospital along with Angelo, who was also starting to spasm. Gerardina didn't make it. They, I say they, the authorities, suspect the chilli oil and the chilli sauce was full of botulism. Why? How? They don't know. Botulism? Yep. Oh. Yep. And that's what killed her. And Angela was in a critical condition but was expected to survive. And I did try to Google and see whether or not he lived. But either way, it's fucking shocking. And obviously police are investigating. Yeah. You know, they're looking at the chilli sauce along with other ingredients too, testing, you know, tomatoes and the flour and Mm -hmm. whatnot. And the restaurant was shut down. 
But according to the lawyer for the restaurant owner, the chili sauce was used by several other customers and also by the owner's family without causing any problems. Interesting. So they welcome an investigation. Yes. But what I say is... Mafia. Oh, I do. I wasn't even going to say that, but ah, yeah, it could be. It could be something. Because like, you also think, well, if other people are enjoying the chili oil, was it just that one bottle? Was everyone eating the same batch? Yeah, yeah. or not. You know, like we said earlier, I'm, I'm chili crazy. Mm. I would be dead and it would have been quick. I did read that the husband and wife who owned the pizzeria yeah. and also a doctor from the hospital who apparently discharged Geraldina saying, oh, you're fine. Oh. Yeah, after she felt sick. They are looking at manslaughter charges. <gasps> yeah. For the doctor? The doctor and the restaurant owners. Ooh. So it's really fucking serious. Mind the chili oil. Yes, mind. I mean, after this episode, I don't think we're going to eat much, are we? No. Might be an opportunity to shed some pounds. <laughs> well, the thing is that like Hot Chef Tommaso also talked to me about another gruesome story. But he's full of them. He's now an, a researcher. He is a researcher. <laughs> Chef Tommaso. See, how come we can just come up with a Hot Chef Tommaso? So easy. And yet for poor old Yannicka, Yannicka we are struggling. struggling. So he talked about this story from March this year about a guy in Florida who died. 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 Yeah. After he got infected with a rare brain-eating amoeba. <gasps> yep. Which Florida health officials have come out to say was possibly as a result of him rinsing his sinuses what? with tap water. Yeah. The neti pot. Exactly what I was going to say because... I do know that your husband loves it. Yep, a big affinity with a neti pot. Mm. He's tried to get me to neti in mm. the past. Tried to get me to do it as well. I yeah. said no. In fact, regular eavesdropper Kiss Apocalypse did write in a message just recently about mm. how he neti pots all the time. Yep. So neti pot users, listen up because this is scary. What I also find terrifying is this guy did use a neti pot and it was tap water. Oh. Tap water that everyone is drinking. From the tap. So never mind that he put it up his nose. We're drinking it, putting it in our bodies. Yeah. Now, look, this single-celled amoeba lives in warm, fresh water. And if it gets up your nose, it can cause this disease. This wouldn't happen in London because it's been drunk seven times before at least and it's got all the chlorine in it. Yeah, maybe the chlorine kills it. But the thing is, this amoeba, it can only get to your brain from being in your nasal passages Uh, so if you're drinking it you can't get sick but the fact that it's even in tap water so you should boil water before doing netties yes boil the fuck out of that water let it cool down you don't want to put it warm up there even though it's probably more pleasant but yeah boiled water look after yourself people a little bit like my cow this brain infection it's known as primary amoebic meningeal Menin meningoencephalitis. What? Meningoencephalitis. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's, let's just call it PAM because that's what it's known as. Okay. It's always fatal. You don't recover. Right. Once you, it's up your nose and to your brain, it's game over. The good news is it's not that common because over the last 60 years, there have only been 157 PAM infections in the US. Okay. I don't know about Europe or anywhere else. It seems to mainly be in the US, but there have been cases in Europe. And I do say only, but obviously for those people, it's fucked yeah. for them. Unless you are one of the 
four survivors who have ever beaten this thing. Oh, wow. So there have been survivors. Uh, yes, actually. I said you're dead. But you have you got wrong. A four in 157 chance wow. of living. But I did read that there is also a teenager from Florida who got Pam last summer who is still in the hospital in a coma fighting oh, for his life. So good luck, mate. You know, I hope you pull through. Well, we're rooting for him. We're rooting for you. We're rooting for you, mate. I also did read that a child in Nebraska also died from this brain-eating amoeba this as well. This is really worrying. How can you get them? They're, yeah. not, they're not putting the water up their nose. No, well, I'm going to get Maybe to that. they're swimming in it. It's on the rise, yes, because of climate change. Uh, now, basically, the amoeba is popping up in parts of America where it hasn't been before, like the north and the west, because the waters are getting warmer. Right. And it loves to live on the surface of the water and is mainly associated with lake swimming. Oh, dear. We love lake swimming. Yes, we do. You know, it's wonderful. I mean, they also can live happily in groundwater tanks. And I have also read that apart from getting it when you're swimming in lakes and the water gets up your nose, people have got this from using contaminated water on their slip and slides in their backyard. Ah, yes. I mean, that's Legionnaire's disease waiting to happen as well, isn't it, really? All those plastic sacks and... A slip and slide, though. Rank water at the end that you slip into. <laughs> I did that in the Alps this summer. I slipped and slided. Yeah, I slipped and slid. That was the only thing we had in the summer. You know, we'd have a slip and slide in the backyard and a hose. Very liquid. Yeah, we didn't have a pool. We had a a slip and slide. Yeah, very liquid. And you had to go over bumps like, you know, some rocks underneath, some concrete. I think we had palm olive. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to freak you out, but the first symptoms of Pam can include headache, fever, nausea, vomiting. And these symptoms, which are not anything more than you get really with a bad hangover. I was just going to say, it sounds a little bit familiar to me yeah, right now. I know. We had a drink last night. Oh, Dan, <laughs> we're suffering today. The symptoms of Pam start around five days after the amoeba gets up your nose and in your system. <sighs> and like I said, only through your nose. And then the symptoms progress to include a stiff neck, which I kind of have all the time. Yeah. Confusion that all Very the time much so yep. seizures no hallucinations no. not really and then coma there was the time you had a hallucination when you saw that statue you told us about last week it wasn't a hallucination i saw it i know i what know I what i saw, I saw. <laughs> and i will say that this brain eating amoeba is not spread through water vapor or aerosol droplets or person-to-person transmission or drinking water it only happens when water contaminated with Pam gets up your nose. I'll repeat that. You cannot get it by drinking infected tap water. You have to wear those little clips every time you go swimming now. I also did read that the amoeba, this brain-eating amoeba, can live in the muddy sediment on the bottom of lakes. So if you're down there mucking around in the mud and stirring it all up, Mm. it's not a good idea. And that reminded me of something an eavesdropper once told me in conversation. The husband of this particular eavesdropper has lupus, which is an incurable autoimmune disease. Yeah. And he swears he got it after he waded through mud on a boys' weekend with bare feet when he was in his early 20s. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't know if he had a cut on his foot or... But he knew that was the moment. That was his... He anecdotally says... 
I f- just fucking know that's what did it. Mm-hmm. I know that was the trigger. Look, forgive me if I misremember the story, but yeah, for nearly 30 years, he has been fighting lupus, mm. which is really similar to cancer and it can be really debilitating. So I wonder if like Pam, there is something mm. in the mud at the bottom of lakes and streams that you should just not fuck with yeah. or disturb because you don't know what's lurking in there. And I did read that doctors, researchers and scientists don't really know what causes lupus. It's really understudied. But one of the current theories is that you have some level of risk. It's kind of like when risk meets the catalyst. And basically what that means is genetically you're born with a level of risk or a predisposition to Mm. lupus you know, depending on what you inherited from your parents. And that risk can increase or decrease based on your environment and your lifestyle. So you don't have to go all Bear grills in the mud to get lupus because you can trigger it from like stress, physical or mental stress, because right. the stress can throw your immune system out of whack and make the, your immune system focus on things that shouldn't, which can trigger lupus if you're prone to it. So basically, if you're born with a gene variant that puts you at a higher risk for lupus and other autoimmune diseases, just avoid mud and getting stressed out. Mm, Well, that's going to be hard because already I'm stressed out listening to you. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm thinking, so I can't swim anymore. I can't walk through mud. I can't drink the water, even though she said I can drink the water, but I'm not going to drink the water and I'm not going to eat the beef products. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Already I'm starting to, you know, thinking about those nose clips for my kids. I'm so sorry. Well, do you know what? At least you don't smoke because I was thinking this whole thing about genetic risk. And maybe I've talked about this on the podcast before, but um, my ex-boyfriend's mother had a theory on smoking, which she was a genetic toxicologist for more than 30 years. And she looked really closely at lung cancer and smoking and particularly looking at what makes some smokers get lung cancer while others don't Mm. because you know there are cases where people who have been smoking since they were 10 years old and they're in their 80s never get cancer well they say it's linked but very much like uh what i was just talking about the bsc bcjd link it's not actually proven no no it's 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 impossible to prove you can get people who've never smoked who have lung cancer yes exactly so it's it's a strange thing and she had a theory that we are all born with a trigger number so for example your trigger number might be 1 million and 87 and on your 1 millionth and 88th cigarette you've triggered cancer right but I might have a trigger number of six right and on my seventh ciggy I've got lung cancer right and she said basically smoking that was her most strongest theory after a whole career of genetic toxicology right it's Russian roulette with smoking you don't know your number. No oh, one knows shit. their number. So whatever you do, don't smoke. Yeah. And look, don't even get me started on vaping because that's some evil shit right there. That's my trigger. I'm okay. triggered when I talk about smoking and vaping. <laughs> you know, when it comes to diseases, there is a lot of evil shit out there. Great. you going to tell us some more? Oh, yes, I am. I'm going to pose a little scenario here. So you wake up and you think, mm, I don't feel so good. you got a headache, a sore throat maybe even a little bit of a fever, actually sounds like this morning yeah. <laughs> without the fever bit. 
And if the thought of breakfast makes you kind of feel like, mm, no, not interested, you might just think you've got a cold. But if you live in the Sudan, the Congo, or anywhere in sub-Saharan Africa, you might just have Ebola. Ooh, that's the thing I worried about when it was the pandemic. I thought, well, please don't let it be. Because they didn't say what it was, did they, for ages when the pandemic started in like 2020. And I was thinking, I really don't want it to be Ebola. We remember the Ebola scare. Mm -hmm. And it was like Ebola is the next thing that's going to wipe out the planet. Like there was a lot of fear and a lot of scaremongering around Ebola. I remember when people first started talking about it in, it was 89. I knew it was late 80s and early 90s. It turns out when I did the research, it was 89. And it was because, and you talked about 28 days later. Yes. Ebola started in the US. Yeah. A load of lab monkeys. Did I just say bunkies? A load of lab monkeys. Hey, hey, we're the bunkies. People say we're bunking around. (laughs) They were shipped. And by the way, I can't just say poor bloody lab monkeys. You know, like they were still testing on animals. They were shipped to Reston in Virginia in the USA to a military testing lab. I don't like this. Military. I I mean, how much shit is always like covered up with US military stuff? Now... The thing is, Ebola had been around since 1976 in Africa, mm. but nobody was reporting on it because, oh, it's in Africa. Like, oh. it's not it's not where we live. Until it hit America, Ebola didn't have any kind of media profile. As a brand, it didn't. <laughs> it wasn't didn't. flying. No. And then obviously when it hit America, people flipped out. Sure. These monkeys were macaques. I love that. Macaque. 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 I heard about macaques recently. Really? Yeah. It was on my podcast that I was listening to, Lisa Proctor, The Cows Are Mad. Those bloody macaques. Well, these were shipped from the Philippines into Reston. There didn't seem to be any clear link to Africa. They were Asian monkeys. The thing is, the Ebola virus ripped through the lab on those monkeys. Apparently spread by airborne transmission yes mm-hmm. do you know what this was actually in the podcast really yes the military this whole thing so the animals were breathing it in and it was touch and go as to whether humans could get this particular strain this is when she was describing zoonotic yes things jumping from animals to humans well it turns out thankfully that particular strain from the macaques couldn't infect humans but now the whole world was talking about ebola then that's when she gets dark. Basically, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Ebola. Hang on to your anxiety hats, people. <laughs> Thoughts. Um, it starts by attacking your immune system. It wipes out the T lymphocyte cells, which means you're going to start feeling sick. Yep. And it can take between 2 and 21 days from initial infection to the first symptoms. But from the minute you get it, you are now infectious yourself. So you are putting everyone you come into contact with in danger, Mm. your family, friends, anyone close to you. Mm -hmm. It's full on. And then over the next few days, after you realize you're sick, your condition deteriorates. Your body aches everywhere. You get intense abdominal pain. The fever gets worse. This is like a zombie apocalypse. Yep. Then you start to vom. And you have diarrhea at the same time. Oh, I hate when that happens. I know, hangover shit. And at this point, you probably do just want to die, but you don't because there's more. Because if you're unlucky 
and you don't start to get better because some people do. Right. People do survive Ebola. Okay. But the ones who don't are in for a gruesome death. Oh, no. From hemorrhagic fever, which is where... from every orifice, mm -hmm, yeah. A load of inflammatory molecules get released into your circulatory system, circulatory system, and your immune system, which is now completely fucked and begins to attack every organ in your body. And tiny blood vessels begin to burst everywhere and you begin to slowly bleed to death from the inside out. Yet the whites of your eyes turn red. Stop you it. You vomit blood. You poo out blood. Stop. Blood blisters form all over your skin. No. All over your body. And I it's game that. over. Yeah. Oh, yuck. That's like a horror film. It is a fucking horror film. I did read that Ebola is about as infectious as influenza. Jesus. So each infected person will probably infect two to four others. Which actually, to be fair, makes it less infectious than measles or polio or coronavirus actually so if you get it you are infectious but not crazy infectious but still it would suck to get it yeah and this is not a virus that has gone away a little bit like mad cow it's hanging Mm. around in september 2022 just last year almost a year ago (laughs) there was an ebola outbreak in uganda where 164 people got it and 55 died okay so not bad odds but still if you died that's shit And it's still out there and happening. They got it under control in, I think, February this year. It's just that you're more likely to get it if you go to Africa. So if you're going to Uganda, the Sudan or the Congo, just be careful. Yeah. What do you do? How do you be careful? Well, I guess you don't know that you're going to come into contact with a sick person, especially if they don't even know they're sick. So what, a mask? I don't even know if that's going to help. How do you be careful? That's actually a very good question. I've got a great idea. Why don't we all just sit inside our houses, (laughs) work remotely, don't speak to anyone, don't open the door... Posty's going to have to leave the parcels on the doorstep from now on, knock and run. Honestly, it sounds just like the pandemic. Yeah, that's it. it's frightening. Yeah, I'm it's sorry horrible. if it has triggered anybody's anxiety because yeah, I'm actually feeling quite shaken. Oh, no, don't. That. No, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, it's it's out there. But I wonder if anyone who has got anxiety, it's probably no one. It's probably just me and Rains Park Mark. <laughs> Speaking of Rains Park Mark, who's no longer from Rains Park, Yes. He was listening to an episode, the one about the Watcher origin story, where I did that great voice. Oh, yes. I like to do it. Uh, I can't remember what to I say. I think you talked in a voice like this. I am the Watcher. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't like that. He anyway. was listening to that and he was getting quite chilled by my incredibly scary voice mm. when a door slammed in the house. <laughs> it's more like Mystic Meg, really, isn't it? <laughs> And gave him the willies proper. Yeah, yeah, I fucking bet. Well, you know, there is a creaky floorboard in our apartment and the cat's not in. It's not a mouse. You have to have weight Squishy. on it. Like a wink. Like a wink. Yeah. I heard it the other night. I know what we're going to do now. What? We're going to sit down and watch Uncanny. I would love that. Danny Robbins. Oh, I would love that. It looks really good. And Let's do that. Have you seen all the episodes? No good then it's fresh for both of us fresh i'm excited all right well do you know what then i'm gonna go and watch some telly 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 so thank you very much for your story thank you for yours thank you for the anxiety (laughs) and thank you for the horror my pleasure and wherever you are whatever you do just just keep keep eavesdropping. eavesdropping
Eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.